Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. The Holy Spirit, though, will not operate opposite from the Word of God. So we test the Spirit by testing the Word because they're on the same page. That's going to bring us together. But there are so many people today that's not connected to the Spirit, do not put Christ first or the Word of God first, and that's why they're like marbles. They're everywhere. So the point is, the Holy Spirit is at the center of this. Now let's go to number four, compassion. It's interesting because you have consolation, you have comfort, you have communion. They're so close, and yet I'm working hard to kind of show you the distinctions, but sometimes I can overwork the passage and give you too many distinctions, and they're really not. How many of you have ever played softball or baseball? Would you raise your hand? Okay, you have first base, second base, third base, home plate. Now, first base is different than second base. Second base is different than third base, but each one of those bases look the same, but they're just separated. But each one of those bases are different, but they're still all part of the same game of baseball. So now you have comfort, consolation, communion, and compassion. These are like bases on the same diamond right here. They're a little bit different, but they're all still part of the same program. And that is, if all these things that you've experienced about Christ, from Christ, if you've experienced that, and often through other people who brought you Christ, then he says, would you be like-minded and do the same thing to them and reach out to them? So he uses the word compassion here. And in this passage, it's interesting because it says, if any affection... If any, mercy. And so that would be another term for compassion there. That's a very interesting phrase, affection and mercy. They often go together. That If you're very affectionate, you'll be merciful. And that if you are merciful, you should be very affectionate. And so I think that we've experienced some compassion from others. Now, these four right here, we're going to tell you that they're coming from Christ. I want to be very careful because my style of preaching and teaching is what we call life application. So I often will give you points and principles, etc. But I don't want us to have a formulaic Christianity. I want us to have a relational Christianity with the Lord. So while I'm giving you four motivations, four urges for us to be like-minded, I want you to see that all of those will still focus in some measure on the Godhead. So the center of our unity has still got to be the worship and the submission to Jesus Christ in the whole part of the Godhead. Now, but Paul, at the same time, is human. And he speaks to the fifth one. And while those refer to the Lord, he throws a, another one. He says, by completing one another's joy. Another reason for us, perhaps, to be more unified is not just because of all we've experienced from the Lord, but also because it brings joy to those that are around us when we are unified with one another. And I speak all the way back to the beginning of the message today about how parents are happier when kids are doing well. When kids see their mom and dad on the same page, they do well. Well, Paul is the same way. Would you look at the passage again? Let me read it to you. It says here, Therefore, because you're supposed to be like-minded, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, then he says, a little phrase in there, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Now, let me speak as a pastor for a moment. When, um, when we first got here, those of you know all the stories. We got here, we were uh, addressed because we had a sign on the road. They didn't want that. We had roof work done, and some of the 
stuff came off the roof and went down into the stream and we were getting all stream and went through that whole thing and then we had the flood in October and I mean the, the list goes on and on and on. Some of you have commented and you said to me, you said, um, boy, you've handled that so well. And then we had that young man, for whatever reason, that's still out there that went kind of crazy and he's out, he's really out to try to harm me. You know, that can be a little disconcerting, especially since we've seen him a lot in public lately and he keeps coming at me. But be that as it may, I can be honest when I tell you this as frankly as I can. None of that stuff really moves me. The thing that moves me the most is when I hear that you are having marital problems. When I hear that your kids are having struggles at school. You can have different opinions. Now here's the good news. We have many families that have great marriages. We have great families in our church. And there is so little disgruntledness over what the leadership is doing. It's mostly just input, that's all. And it's just a little different. So it's not really disgruntledness. But nothing eats my lunch more than when, when we're not like-minded. And so I worry about you, and I know I shouldn't, so I'm wrestling with worry and all that. I pray for you. I figure out what can I do differently. You might be saying, now Stan, why are you so concerned if people don't get along with one another? I mean, that's life. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that I should tolerate it or ignore it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be my first person I go to when I hear there's a little bit of a problem. But I can feel very much like Paul when it says, fulfill you my joy and be like-minded. He did not have to say that. The Holy Spirit could have left that in Paul's heart and did not have him recorded in Holy Writ 2,000 years for you to hear it today from me. But he chose to do that because there's a part of leaders, captains, bosses, parents, church leaders that you don't fulfill a person's joy when you don't have unity. It really, it really hurts them. As I did a study on this, I came back to an old Puritan pastor by the name of Matthew Henry. How many have heard of Matthew Henry? Anybody in here? Here's what he wrote. He says, If you have found any benefit by your participation of the gospel, if you have any comfort in it or advantage by it, fulfill the joy of your poor minister who preached the gospel to you. So what I did is I took it at chapter 2 now. We're at the very beginning. And instead of going through the rest of Philippians, I decided to go back over what we've studied on joy in Paul's life. And just from chapter 1 alone, listen what brought him joy. They're all relational. Number one, he had joy, and he said he had joy because of their partnership in the gospel. Now, it wasn't so much that they worked the gospel together. It's a word that was used later on in the book that said that you gave for the purpose of helping me spread the gospel. So there was a sharing of your resources. You partnered with not just doing, but giving. That brought in joy. The second thing he said about these people was that they were willing to proclaim Christ no matter what, no matter how bad it got, no matter what the wrong motives were. He didn't care. He said, my higher value was that Christ was preached. Nothing excites your pastor more than to hear that you're sharing the gospel with someone. This last Thursday night, we finished up our series with our men's study, and so we had a night of celebration. And what do men have for celebration? Pizza. And so we had pizza and testimonies. And so as we started, we sat there just... I said, guys, we met together for the last seven, eight times, you know. How has your life changed from coming to this study? You guys will never know how much excitement I got when I heard. I'm not going to mention names because I don't have your permission to do this. I had one guy that I'm going to synthesize what he said. Basically, he said this. He said, I am more vocal with my faith 
in a hostile environment. I find myself talking publicly about my faith. This is huge. This guy's only been coming to the church a year. He just got his assurance of salvation. He got baptized. Just the beginning. Now in a hostile environment, he's speaking for his faith. I don't care how many floods we have. That's what my life is about. People speaking for the gospel. And there were some other things that they brought me joy when they were talking about how more they're in the Word and how they're saying, how do I get more into the Word? And what, where can I begin reading next? And they're signing up for the next study so they could do that. And they're motivated for one thing. I want to know the Word so I can... Watch this, kids. I want to know the Word so when my kids ask me questions, I could have answers for them. And so that's the second joy. The third joy was that they were praying for Him. And so when I know that you pray for me... Nah, I don't, but pray for me. Pray that I'd be clean and close to the Lord. Pray that I would be walking by the means of the Spirit. Pray that I would be growing in the knowledge of the Lord. But pray for us, folks. That brings us great joy because we know that there are there's things we cannot do apart from a miraculous working of God through answer to your prayers. And now, number four, in this passage, he prayed that there'd be oneness and purpose and passion. That brought him joy. And what's going to bring the leadership here great joy is when we get on the same page because we want to do something. We want to reach people for Christ. We want to do it at any cost. I don't mean compromise, but any cost. And we're wanting to stay with those people to help them to become a fully obedient worshiper of God. And whatever it takes, rolling up our sleeves, that brings great joy. Let's go a little bit further in our study for today. Why was this appeal so important? Let's go to number one. Paul was concerned about personal strife. We talked a lot about that. This is the passage that spoke about the two ladies. He says this, Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, in many ways I, I feel the same way. You're my beloved and I long for you people here. Then he says, My joy and my crown, you, my joy and my crown. So stand fast in the Lord. Then he says, Beloved, I employ Eodia and I employ Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So he kind of gives them a little bit, Hey, guys, come on. Same mind in the Lord. Not the same mind about clothing styles or anything else. He says, sign mine and Lord. Put the Lord. Think about the Lord. And he says, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also. Maybe Eodia was saying, we don't get any help around here. And the other one is saying, we got too many people helping us. So they're disagreeing. And so all that Paul does here, he says, you know what? Help those ladies. They've labored with me in the gospel. Don't, don't wish that they were gone. Don't pray them out of your church. Don't marginalize them. Somehow get with those ladies. Help them. They labored with me in the gospel. They're part of the team. And look at Clement was there too. And all the rest of the workers. I don't want to leave anybody out. You know, everybody who's named in the book of life. Here's a guy who's trying to bring them together and not pray them out. He's the one who wants to, he didn't want to marginalize. He didn't want to create scenes where they have to leave. And I know that's going to happen. But that's not where his heart was. He was concerned about personal strife. People coming together for unity. Number two, Paul was aware of how important unity was to the Lord and to the church. Now, he, was, he, he knew that because the Lord spoke to that, and he had this prayer. Look in John 17, 11. Jesus now, praying to his Father, says this about unity. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are still in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Now, here's an argument. He was praying because he was just with his disciples. So was the prayer about just his disciples, there are many Bible scholars, says he was just praying that his team, his pastoral team, would stay together. Others are saying, no, that's a bigger prayer. He's praying for all believers for all time would be together. My belief is he had them both in mind, that he wanted the team to work together, and he also wanted to pray that once the team is gone, 
the next group who's going to take the baton from the team, that they would be together. So they were together. You were together with them. We were together. Now the prayer is, okay, let us be one like God the Father, God the Son is one. We need to be together once they're gone. And there's going to be some big holes to fill, big shoes to fill. And so again, this is a timely message that did not come because of a problem. It came as a sovereign act of God on His calendar that we speak to this. And so that's what he's saying here, is that the church would come together and we'd have unity in the church and with the Lord. And then number three, Paul was mindful that a lack of like-mindedness would stunt the spiritual growth and the example to others would be disastrous in this thing. It would stunt the spiritual growth and it'd be disastrous. So let me explain it to you this way. Remember how I emphasized the Trinity? Let's take you back in a time machine. All the way back to the time Paul was writing. Essentially, Christianity was like a new religion on planet Earth. Now, we know it wasn't a religion, and you know what I'm saying. It was in the mind of God, and it was all in God's divine plan of the ages through the Old Testament. Jesus comes, the New Testament church starts. But in a sense, this was kind of new stuff. There wasn't a church in every corner. There wasn't five churches up and down the poly. It wasn't like that then. So this was a new thing. Now, the other place, watch this, they had all these multiple gods and all these different isms and spasms and idols and all that kind of stuff. Christians were over here, and they were saying, yeah, you have different idols, and this, you have an idol for the sun, an idol for the moon, an idol for the fire, an idol for life, an idol for death, and all the stuff that they had. Christians were saying, we don't have any idols because we don't want to be attached to an object, but we do have the only God, and there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, they're all different, but they all work well together. They're perfect. Now, if we believe that and we're fractured, then we're sending a signal that we all don't believe in the same thing, so we're all divided even on God who's not divided. So what's happening in those days, they had to be united. They had to show a united front that you had God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're united, we're united, and that's what God did. There's power in unity. And when you have power in unity, you have potential for growth then. And that's the beauty of what happened. And so Paul was mindful that a lack of all of this would stunt the spiritual growth and the example to others. Let, let, me, let me pause for a moment here. If the kids in the youth group are having problems, and I've got to meet with them because they don't get along with one another, all of a sudden we cease talking about Bible study, we cease talking about worship, we cease talking about reaching lost people for Christ, and all we're doing is so-and-so done like so-and-so because so-and-so said this, and they, 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 called, they said that email, and you know what's happening here? I don't like them. I'm not going to go back anymore. We've got to call somebody. All of a sudden, it's stunting their growth and the growth of the department. Now, I'm not picking on the kids. If uh, pastors and churches have people that are at each other's uh, throats, so to speak, and we're dealing with marital conflicts and family conflicts and business conflicts from people who should know better. I'm not talking about the new believers who are still getting their act together. I'm talking about people who should know better. If that's happening, all of a sudden, we're dealing with people's problems who ought not to have those kind of problems, but because they have gotten sideways with God, it brought it into their relationship. And now the emphasis is away from, catch this, building and back to battling. And when you're battling, you can't build. And God wants us to build. There will always be a certain amount of battling, but the battling shouldn't be the big deal. The battling we battle is not against flesh and blood, but against Satan. So what's the attitude to get along? All right, he says to be like-minded. 26 times in the Bible it's found. It's only found 10 times here. And here's what he says. We need to have, number one, the same love. Fulfill you my joy by being like-minded, having the same love. Just like Christ loved us, we love others. Number two, the same soul. The same soul. Now, some of you, I put that in there because it says 
being of one accord. That's a, that comes from the word that means harmonious in souls. Have you ever heard of this phrase? Raise your hand if you've heard this phrase. Soulmate. Have you heard that phrase, soulmate? How many heard of soulmate? That's a, that's a term used where people think that if we're soulmates, we can cohabitate with one another even though we're not married. All right, soulmate. Now, I have a soulmate. Her name is Carol. Soulmate. All right, now, with that being the case, that means we kind of think alike. There have been times that I can say a phrase and Carol can finish that phrase. There are times that you could be talking in a group and she's on the other side of the room and you could say something and I can look at her and she knows exactly what I'm thinking. That's scary, folks. Let me just say that's scary, all right? Sometimes we could be somewhere, we have an idea at the same time, and we look at each other and we say it at the same time. That's because we're soulmates. Now, what he's saying here is that we need to be soulmates with one another in the Greek. And by the way, this phrase, one accord in the Greek, the only time it's found in the entire Bible is in this one verse right here. And he says, once you have experienced all of this, he says, then be of the same soul. Be of the same love, harmonious, soulmates. All right, let me give you something here, and we'll finish up with the last point and we'll be done. What is a soulmate? If we were to pick out, what do I need to be a soulmate about? There's a lot. I want to give you just these. We need to be on the same page from soul to soul on worship. That we will worship the Lord with a pure heart, and we will see worship as a 24-7 and that we recognize that as our heart is pure and it is not anti-biblical, that there's going to be various expressions of worship because we're worshiping God. Number two, that we have a burden for those who are lost and we will do what we can to put the lost out there so we can come to them with a simple plan of salvation to share the message with them. And when we make decisions on the spending of the budget and our events that we do, it's in the sensitivity that we would not do anything that would hinder the gospel from going out to others. But we're balanced because that's part of our soulmate. We're not just soul winning here. We're not just an evangelistic center. We're a church. So now we move into the area that while we do care about the Lord, we also want to raise up people biblically, so we want to teach the Bible. So as the same page, we're going to learn how to disciple one-on-one. We're going to learn through small group studies to go to small group. We're going to be a part of church no matter what. It becomes our highest priority to be in Sunday school, small group somewhere during the week, and then our worship experience with a heart ready to go to learn so we be fed so we can grow. We're soulmates. So we are concerned about worshiping, but not just worship. We're also outreach, but not just outreach. We're also concerned about growth, but it's not about us four no more shut the door. We're going to be spiritually fat people. No, at the same time, we want to grow so we can become a minister. In some measure, we want to get out of our little hothouse and to touch lives who need them. In the church, we want to get involved in ministry here, teach in Awana, start some other children's ministries, another small group, worship, music, whatever we have as outreaches. We're limited by our lack of creativity, not the lack of opportunities. And then the other thing is, is that while we're thinking about all of this, of how to do this, we want to develop leadership skills. And leadership does not mean we lead, you follow. Leadership means we choose, no matter if we have people on our team or not, we are influencers. And then finally, is that we want people to be a part of us here. More than just want to win in the Lord locally and globally, we want them to be a part of our faith family. So we're going to encourage participation. And so we come to things, we come to share, we look for people, we hear what they have to say, we pray with them, we provide them with comfort, consolation, compassion, and a bit of communion with the Lord. And now number three, the same thinking. We want to think the same way. Now we're not talking about, again, preferences. We are talking about doctrine and character. And I'm going to read you these verses, and here's what you see. 
He says, the attitude to get along, same love, same soul, same thinking. He says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded of one accord. Romans 12, 5 and 16. Would you read it out loud with me, everyone, out loud? Romans 12, 5 and 16. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Now Romans 15, verses 5 through 7. He says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 10-13. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am Cephas, or I am Christ. Is Christ divided? Finally, brethren, farewell. Be complete. Be of good comfort, everyone together. Be of one mind. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All right, here's what you're going to take home with you today. You got the appeal and you got the attitude. Notice the phrases that you had in your outline. I can't teach you the actions until your heart is right. If your heart is right and you want to be one-minded, the feet will come along swiftly. So here's three things. Some of you say, would you be more practical? Here it is. Number one, focus when you have a disagreement with someone on what united you or unites you, not what divides you. Sometimes we get so much talking about that which we disagree And all of a sudden, that becomes bigger than the things that we agree on. So focus on that which unites, not that which divides. Number two, forgive the offender of the hurts, hang-ups, and habits that offended you. Forgive the offender of the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that offended you. But remember their labor of love. I tell you, some of them, they might have hurt you in some areas... But there could have been some areas that they have shown you a special love kiss. And then finally, number three, and this is what we're going to cover next week. Follow the example of Christ. And what did he do? He looked down upon people who were hurting that had needs. Because of his love for them, he then sacrificed himself for them, gave up his rights so he can touch them in a way that would add value to their life. Specifically, he provided himself as the one, if they trust in Christ, they could have everlasting life. And so for you that have not yet trusted Christ, I pray that you would. I want you to know God loves you. And he says, I know that maybe humanity has let you down. And the people you love the most who don't love you back, that causes a great deal of pain. But he says, I want to be your forever friend if you will simply trust in me as your Savior who is the Lord God Almighty who died for you so you can have everlasting life. So here's what you say to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. Lord, I know that I cannot get to heaven by my good deeds, for I'll fail. 
I know I'll never be perfect. Lord, I know that I'm separated from you until I trust you as Savior. And when I die, I'll spend eternity separated from you. But Lord, I know that you'll forgive me if I will trust in you. And so right now, Lord, I'm claiming you as my Savior because I'm fully relying on you to forgive me of my sin. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you have revealed to us that one-mindedness is still doable. That you've been that way in the person of the Godhead. And that, Father, that you live within us. And so, therefore, Father, since there's a oneness with you, there can be a oneness between us and you. And now, Lord, if we're with you and others choose to do that, then we, too, can get along better with one another. And so, Lord, help us to follow the example of Christ and remember that which unites, not so much what divides. Help us to be more forgiving of the offender, of their hurts, hang-ups, and habits, and to remember their labor of love. And then let us be filled with the fullness of God so that, Father, we would now love others to do all that we can to be one-minded to bring about unity. In Jesus' name we pray. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.